Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. And we ask that you'd speak to us as we come to your word and learn more about your son. And as uh, his life and his mission and his character is on full display for us to learn more about him. May we hear it, may we respond to it, and may we be transformed to be more like him. We ask this all in your son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Kingdom is a big theme throughout the Bible, but it's one of those same themes that it's, I always wonder, do we actually really know what this means? I'm not always sure that we do. And that's not because we haven't learned enough. It's just, it's so removed from our world to think about kingdoms in the way that kingdoms were talked about in ancient times. that It's hard for us to grab a hold of what it could mean. But we are called to confess that Jesus is king. And if we're going to say that Jesus is king, it's important for us to ask, well, what is he king of? Kings rule and reign. They have authority over a certain amount of, well, in our world, real estate or region. And they reign. So for Jesus to be king means he must reign. So we confess this about Jesus, but what is it that he's king of? Is he king of our heart? Is he king of our actions? Is he king of the part of my life that's called religion? That's put into these other places of my life? If we're going to confess that Jesus is king, it's so important for us to understand what it means to live in his kingdom. And now that's what we're going to explore today. And it's going to be the beginning of a couple weeks where we look at Jesus' kingdom. In the readings of the lectionary before Lent. But this week we start and what we see is when Jesus came, the kingdom came. When Jesus came, the kingdom came. So this week, uh, we jump back into Mark. Uh, Whenever Mark is the gospel of the lectionary, since it's the shortest of all of the gospels, uh, it does tend to skip around a lot more because they don't have as much material to work with. So they have to fill in with John and some of the other gospels. If you want to open up to Mark chapter 1, or if you want to look on the screen here in a minute, it'll be up there. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 20 of Mark chapter 1. And if you have uh, your Bible, uh, you can follow along. I really do encourage you uh, to bring the Bible that you uh, use with you, yourself throughout the week so that you can become familiar with it. Um, I do understand you might like to have a translation that, you, um, that follows along, but we always have that on the screen too. So let's take a look here and see how when Jesus came, the kingdom came. So Mark chapter 1, verse 14, this is how Mark... Uh, jumps into this story about Jesus. Verse 14, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. We'll just leave that right there. You can leave that there, Gavin. So this is how John or Mark starts this section. Now, we looked at, uh, several weeks ago, Mark chapter 1 through 12. Or 13, I think. 
We skipped 14 and 15. So if we were just to pick up like we are now and, and look at this, we, must, we, we would think, wow, we must have missed a lot because it goes from John the Baptist. Uh, Mark introduces us to John the Baptist and says that he was baptizing. He tells us the story of Jesus going to hear and get baptized by John. And he tells us the story of the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus. Um, and he really tells it from John's perspective. And now... John's in prison, so we'd think there must be a lot that's happened in the gospel. But really, there's not much at all, because Mark doesn't tell us, at least at this point in the gospel, why John is put in, into prison. He doesn't mention anything about it. He just says, Jesus got baptized by John, and then in those two verses we didn't look at, Jesus goes out into the wilderness yeah, I think all we skipped was 12 and 13, not 14 and 15. That's what we're looking at today. 12 and 13, where Jesus goes out into the wilderness and tempted. And that's how Mark does all of what some of the Gospels require several chapters to do. He does it all in 13 verses. And now John the Baptist is arrested. So what we need to see about all of this is that John is, or Mark, is making a clear distinction between Jesus and John. John was the character who was teaching and gathering followers, and Jesus was one of those followers. But now Jesus is the one who will become the center of his perspective. And what he says is that Jesus is proclaiming the good news of God. So this is what Jesus is doing. He's preaching, and he's preaching the good news of God. So what is this good news? Verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So this is what Jesus comes proclaiming. He says, the kingdom of God has come near. The time has finally arrived. Now for us, we read this, and it's easy to say, that doesn't have a lot of immediate meaning for me. I don't see how this connects to my life. I don't know why this matters. Jesus isn't actually here talking about the kingdom. This happened a long time ago. We can't really grab what he's talking about. And at least we can't understand it like a first century Jew. Now, it's important to remember that in Jesus' world in the first century, the Jewish people were waiting for liberation from the Roman world. And they were hoping that someone would come to liberate them, to set them free, to give them freedom so that they could be able to, again, receive God's blessing and do the work that God gave them to do, which was to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's all the way back in Exodus, whenever God brings uh, the Jewish people out of uh, Egypt and he meets with Moses on, my, uh, on Mount Sinai. And he says, I want to make all of you a kingdom of priests and a holy nation if you will follow my covenant. And that's what they wanted to get back to. That's what they were waiting for. So now Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of God has finally come near You've been waiting. God in, in, your, in your prophets has been talking about he's going to return. He's going to send someone to come and return to the old 
golden era of Israel. And that's what they were hoping for. And then Jesus comes. And he says the kingdom of God has come near. And then he says repent and believe. Or turn from your old life and follow me. When Jesus came, the kingdom came. And then Mark tells us a little bit more about this kingdom and and what it means to repent. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. So it seems as if Mark's completely changing his perspective now. All of a sudden, he's talking about Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee and seeing some local fishermen. So let's just see where he's going to go with the story. So this will happen next. Jesus goes up and he says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you out to fish. I will send you out to fish for people. Let's leave it right there. So Jesus comes across these fishermen and he talks to them and he invites them to follow him. Now remember, we just last week read from John and we have this whole story about Simon and Andrew, and how they met Jesus, and they were disciples of John. Mark's original gospel readers didn't have that story. If what we know about the gospels is, is accurate, in the sense that like we have hypothesis about dates, and depending on how close we are, Mark was written a long time before John's gospel. So maybe people knew that story, maybe they didn't. Maybe John had told some people and, and it had gotten around, maybe they didn't. But in Mark's gospel... Jesus asks a couple random guys if they'll follow him. And this is what Mark is wanting us to see. He says, the good news of the kingdom is here. You're called to repent and believe the good news. The good news of the kingdom is here. And how do you repent? Well, right here, this is the way you repent. Jesus comes and asks you. And he says, look. When Jesus comes, comes, the kingdom comes. The kingdom's right here in front of you. Are you going to repent and turn? Are you going to turn from that old life to the new life? That's the question that now is posed to Andrew and to Simon. Are they going to believe? And are they going to repent and turn and follow? It's the same question we must ask. Are we going to repent and follow? And then Jesus also tells these two men, he says, you've been fishing for fish, but now I'm going to send you out to fish for people. So not only does he say repent and follow me, but when you follow me as part of the kingdom, you get to participate in the mission. So when Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. And we get invited to be a part of the mission. Verse 19, or verse 18. So this is how they respond. At once they left their nets and followed him. So without a blinking of an eye, when Jesus comes, the kingdom comes, and when Jesus calls, they drop everything and they join the kingdom. That's our call. The kingdom is something that we must choose to enter. 
by turning from our old life. That's what the word repent means, to turn towards a new life. And that life is following the way of Jesus. So the kingdom is about following the way of Jesus and making followers of Jesus. Now Mark gives us a second example in verse 19. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. So now we have a couple more fishermen. These ones we were told about is uh, James and John, and their dad is named Zebedee. And what do you think that Jesus asks him? Verse 20. Without delay, he, Jesus, called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So again, these men, they have no introduction to Jesus in Mark's gospel. But when Jesus calls, they get out of the boat, they leave their father, they leave the men they've hired to help them for the day, and they go, and they follow Jesus. Mark, again, is showing us what it looks like to repent and enter the kingdom. It requires us to turn from our old life to a new life. Now, there's something about this story that we actually, we can put verse 20 up again, that we don't actually see in our world. Because we think, okay, it's John and and, uh, James and their dad's Zebedee, and they got some guys in the boat. And what we don't know about this scenario is that in the ancient world, there was mostly just people who were filthy rich and people who were dirt poor. There wasn't really any, anybody in between, except for a couple of professions, one of which was being a fisherman. If you were a successful fisherman, you had a pretty good life. And we're pretty sure that John and James were good fishermen. Now, the reason we think that is because they're good enough they have to hire people. You're good enough that you make enough money to hire people. That's not a normal thing in the first century. You only hired people whenever you were well off enough to pay your family and have enough left over to hire people to pay their family and to support their family. So John and James were probably not just any fishermen, but good fishermen. And when Jesus said, follow me, they're leaving behind a comfortable, potentially lucrative life to follow a man they don't know. They're leaving behind this comfortable life because when Jesus comes, the kingdom comes, and when he calls, you respond. John and James heard that call, and they repented, and they decided to enter the kingdom. And what they did was they left behind a comfortable life, and not only that, but they let down their family Now their father has no one to help with the fishing business. They had to let down their family in order to follow Jesus. But when the kingdom comes, when Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. And when he calls, you drop everything and follow him. Are we ready to give up a comfortable life to follow Jesus? Not that we would have to do that now, but there's always a chance. And are we ready to give up a comfortable life to follow Jesus? When Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. 
And this is the good news. The kingdom is here, and it's so good, it's worth upending your life to enter the kingdom. But we haven't really identified what the kingdom is yet. And to answer this question, we have to jump to chapter 3. Now, this isn't something that we will look at in a lectionary, at least not this time around, maybe later in the year. But to give context to what's happening, this is what happens a couple chapters later. When Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they might send, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So later on, right now, the call on Mark or on John and James and Andrew and Simon is simply a call to follow me. But later, Jesus, now what happens right after this that we don't have is they list 12, Mark lists the 12 disciples, the list that he has. And these are the people who Jesus gives a special responsibility in his mission, and he sends them out to preach. And what he says is he tells them to go preach that the kingdom of God is near, and he gives them authority to drive out demons. Now, over the next two weeks, we're going to look at stories about Jesus driving out demons and healing people who are sick. Now, one way that that gets talked about is that it's showing Jesus' power. It's showing that he has the authority because he is the son of God. Now, that's the way that John frames it in his Gospels. But the thing with Mark is it's a little different. Mark describes Jesus proclaiming that the kingdom is here. And then he goes throughout the Galilean and Judean countryside. And he has to physically create space for that kingdom. He has to heal sick people. Sickness is a sign in the first century of evil and darkness and the brokenness of the world. Demon possession is a sign of broken darkness in the world. For the kingdom to come, Jesus must actually go out and create space in the world for the kingdom to take root in the world. And that's what he's doing. When Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. And his followers are a part of that mission of making space for the kingdom in the world. So here, this is what that means. The kingdom isn't just a spiritual reality. It's not just something that's in our hearts. It's not something that's just in our minds. The kingdom is more than just that. The kingdom is Jesus' reign, the reign of God, returning to earth as it should be. And as his people were called to create space in the world where his reign is realized. You can't be a king without ruling. Jesus rules in the world where his people meet and his space is created to rule. When Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. This is the good news that should upend our lives. We're to turn and follow Jesus and enter the kingdom. And when we do that, we're called into the mission of the kingdom to share the good news of the gospel. And then at least for some of Jesus' followers, they were called to actually go out 
and preach the kingdom and do the work of creating the space. Now, I can't easily tell you how what happened in the first century translates to today. I can't tell you that. It's not easy. No one has that answer. But as the people of God, we are to be the place where God's reign is realized in the world. And when Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. And following him comes sometimes at a great cost. So are we ready for that cost? Are we ready to do the work? Are we ready to let our lives be upended? When Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. Now, over the next couple weeks, there's more stories about the kingdom coming. And while the kingdom, and this is what's so important for us to understand, while the kingdom isn't from our world, it's from God, it's from his place. While it's not from the world, it is coming to be physically present in our world. And it's going to be here to stay. And eventually the kingdom will push out all the darkness. And Jesus will reign as king of the world. When Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we look at this passage and as we try to to grasp and grapple with what it looks like for the kingdom to be in our world in the 21st century. We know that when your son came, he brought the kingdom. And when he left, he said, I'm leaving you here to do my work while I'm gone. The work of the kingdom. Calling on people to repent and to enter the kingdom with us. Calling on people to live lives of wisdom as you've called us to live in the kingdom calling us to be a place where all people are welcomed and met with love and hope, but also where all people are called to a certain life of wisdom after your son, a life that will require us to give up and be transformed in a kingdom in which your son reigns, a kingdom that is in the physical world, taking up space, expanding overthrowing the powers of darkness and sin and the devil and taking back the creation that is yours. May we be a part of that work of continuing to to build the kingdom through the guidance of your Son and the power of the Holy Spirit in the world. We ask this all in his name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.